Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode, where we are going to hear a story, another story from another member of the Adoption Triad, and she's particularly interesting because she represents all three parts of the triad. She's an adoptee, a birth mom, and an adoptive mom. So a really unique perspective. I'm so excited for her to share her story with us. And you know, here at the Adoption Connection, this is so important to us to hear all the voices. And also we believe in the power of story to help us learn, to help us have compassion, to help us for a moment see through someone else's eyes. So I'm really looking forward to introducing you to my guest today, Kitty Ravert. Kitty, welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi, Lisa. I am so glad to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. So why don't we just start by you introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about who you are, who's in your family, things like that. Okay, so my current state of living is that my husband and I have, we have four children together and they range in age. Our daughter is 33. No, she's 34 now. Mm -hmm. Oh dear. Funny how that is. Um, (laughs) I know they keep aging. And then we have three sons and our youngest is 21. In our household composition, it's my husband and I and, and our two sons, both of them 21. And um, I have grandchildren, and then I have a birth son who is 36, and an adaptive son who is 21. Okay, so you've got adult kids, young adult kids, grandkids, That's which is particularly exciting. We're going to have our first grandbaby this spring, so we're just oh, great. slightly out of our minds with excitement. Okay, so you, and you also work in the adoption field, correct? Yes, I'm a family support specialist with Adaptive and Foster Family Coalition of New York, and I support post-adaptive and guardianship families. And have you been doing that a long time? What what kind of got you into that? Hmm. So my understanding of what the coalition is, was me and my adoptive son at a foster care recognition banquet where we were speaking. And when we sat down, there was somebody else that got up to speak. And I was like, what What are they speaking of? And it was this free service to post-adaptive and guardianship families. And at that time, we had a a teenage boy as a a foster child, and he, it was a really trying time. So I really looked at, I need to talk to that person that's up there. I need their services. So that was my segue into understanding what the coalition was. So I went to their support groups. I went to their trainings. And then I received a call from the director, and she had offered offered me a job. And I said, well, I'm not qualified. I don't have the education. And she said, you have the life experience. That's what we need to be able to really meet with our families in a genuine and sincere way. So I left my job and as an executive assistant in um, academia 
and went and started to do this work three years ago. Okay, so pretty recently. I love that how God is always working in our lives and changes can come and they're good and I know it's kind of neat. All right, let's go all the way back to talking about you as an adoptee. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Hmm. So, you know, I was reflecting on what I'm going to say about that. And if I was to say what I remember myself, I think that there is literally a picture of me as a two-year-old standing in the first home my parents purchased. We had lived in an apartment up until that time, and my adoptive parents had purchased this large house. And I remember walking in and looking around and, and just feeling like, wow, this is huge space. This is not familiar. And impression rings back to me so many times throughout my life. Just the, I've moved someplace different. It is huge and it is unfamiliar. And, you know, and then there's another thread that had happened as I was growing up where we would be backing out of our driveway in a car and I would have this sinking feeling of, I don't know if I'm ever going to find my way back here. And that, that's that been sort of a thread throughout my life of people joke now, and I laugh about it, that I'm really geographically challenged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that there's great cause for that, and that's okay. But the, the whole finding your space to settle in and knowing that you can go back there is, is something that I've, I've had to really work through in my life as an adoptee. Hmm. So how, what's the story of your parents adopting you? So my adoptive mom was a nurse and my adoptive dad was a banker and they had had a child six years prior to me coming on the scene. So they have a biological son who's six. My mother had for years been trying to conceive to have another baby and it was not happening. During this time, they had done foster care and they got to a place where they realized, you know, we should look at adoption. So they had connected with Catholic Family Services and had started the process and I was adopted. And then three years later, they set out to adopt another child. And that is my brother, who's three years younger than me, from a different family. And then three years later, my mom is taken off of her high blood pressure medication. And that is when she finds out that that had been prohibiting her from conceiving. So she did have a, my little sister, a daughter who's six years younger than me, three years younger than my, my other, my younger brother. So that is how that all came to be. So there's two biologicals mm-hmm. and then there's two adoptees in the middle. Did you, were you one of the kids who thought a lot about being adopted or was it, was it a thread that was talked about in your life much? It was talked about a lot. And I think that's why 
I did not initiate my own thoughts in regards to it. Adoption was a very familiar thing in my home because my mother had two sisters who also adopted each family, two children, a boy and a girl around our age. So it it was not anything that was you know, different. It seemed to be, you know, there was a connectivity between my cousins and I. And I, when I think about wanting to know who my birth mother was, it was more when I was a teenager and it was more when there was unrest where mm-hmm. I would have a problem with my adoptive mom. And, you know, I would think, oh, there's one thing that I can use to be, you know, hurtful. And that's, you're not my real mom. I wish my real mom raised me. And so that's the only thing that really I had thought about growing up. It was only when it was going to be used to, you know, state my, my frustration. And did you eventually search for birth family? Have you connected with your birth family? Yes. I started my search when I was 30 because my husband and I had both decided that Medically speaking, we wanted to find out what's going on with with my side as we had children. And I had talked to my my adoptive mom about this and she was okay with it because if we were thinking medically, it was more like, well, yes, you need to know because she's a nurse. <laughs> so that was a good segue for me to be able to have her on board with my search. I didn't have to keep it a secret. And I was 30. So I wasn't at home. You know, I was more independent. So what I did was I had a neighbor who was also searching for her birth father. And we had decided to go to find out what she could find out. Yeah. So I was sort of helping her. I I do need to let you know that I was given information in regards to my birth certificate, probably before I ever should have known. My adoptive dad passed away when I was 11, and the attorney that was handling his estate had gathered up some legal papers and put them in envelopes and put each of uh, our names on it and had said to my mom, when the kids get to the age of 18, you can start you know, to think about, you know, how you want to present this information to them, but this is theirs. And my mother had never opened the envelopes. So she had given us our envelopes and mine actually had a, a birth certificate in it, which listed my birth mother's name, where she lived. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything that drew me to want to know more about it. If anything, it was something that I knew could consume me and I wasn't there emotionally to open that door. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you opened that envelope? 20. Okay. And then you just, did you just let it rest for a decade until you were 30? Yeah. I I remember looking at it a few times and then putting it back in the envelope Mm -hmm. and I didn't talk to people about it. I didn't even Mm -hmm. talk to my husband about it. Mm. It was almost like it was too big for me to uncover. 
Okay. Well, I do want to hear the story of you finding birth family and meeting them, but I'm wondering if we should, before we get there, if we should continue kind of chronologically because you were an adoptee, you later searched and met some birth family, but in between there, something very important happened as adoption in the way that adoption has been woven through your life. So you had a child. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. I I had moved out of state and I was there for almost a year. And I had some friends that said, Hey, for your birthday, we'll come out and celebrate with you. And I said, okay. And I was looking forward to that and it didn't happen. And I remember living in an um, an apartment complex and my friends at that time said, well, you know, we're your new friends. We'll take you out. And so we went out to celebrate my birthday and I had met this guy and we had had a relationship for a few months until I found out that I was pregnant. And he was very threatened by that because his reason for being in the United States was purely to get a degree at the university and then to come back and do whatever he needed to do with his degree. So I was in a very stressful situation and I had finally shared with my sister what was going on with me. And she had promised me that I would tell my mom within a week or she was going to tell her. So I had told my mom and they had come out to visit me and my mother was very sweet. She said, you know, this is, this is you and this is your body and you're 20 and you've already made decisions and you can continue making decisions. And what would you like to do? And if you'd like for me to give you some options. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. I know your options. I know. Cause I knew exactly she was thinking to place the child for adoption. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying to her, yeah, I'm going to think about this. And her and my sister had, you know, flown back to New York and my mother never asked me what my decision was until I had moved back home and I was living with her. <clears throat> and one day she had come up to me and she said, you know, I would love for you to be able to continue counseling here because I had, I was in, you know, therapy back in the other state I was in. And she said, I'd like for you to do that. She said, can we look up a therapist at Catholic Family Services? And I said, yeah. So we went and the therapist was still just like my mom, not saying, don't you think you should? There, there was that open space for me to really navigate through without being pressured. And I had thought, you know, me as an adoptee, that was beneficial for me. I had felt that I had been given, you know, a lot of, I don't know, possibilities to lead a different life. And I thought, yeah, you know, it wasn't bad. So I had decided, you know, to place my son. I also knew that there was this heaviness that his birth father was not on board with this. That could have been a little bit of the decision. So that's, that's how I ended up becoming the birth mom piece of this. And what year was that? 86. Okay. What was your, I mean, after, after you placed him, 
and you're going through, I mean, I'm sure you must have grieved. I mean, there's nothing like having your arms be so empty, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you struggle at all with thinking about how, you know, like you're an adoptee, you had a birth mom, and now you are a birth mom and your son's an adoptee. Did that come into play or were you like, nope, not going to think about that? Mm. So my, the transition from me actually birthing my son and then going home without him was, was different for me. There, the woman who was the nurse in the hospital was a friend of my mom's and I was friends with her daughter and we, she was so, so compassionate and sweet to me during that time where I do remember looking up at her and her crying Mm -hmm. as she was taking care of me. And I felt like that had released within me to be able to share my emotion too. So I think that there was a little bit of therapeutic saying goodbye and realizing what was happening, even in the hospital. So when I had gone home, I remember the first week was the hardest. And I remember spending a lot of time in my bed, in my bedroom. And it was in February. So he was born in December. And in February, my friends finally talked me into going to a Valentine party. And that is where I met my husband. And it is just so interesting that my husband's birthday is the same day as my birth son's and that just two months later we we knew that we were going to be together and then we would soon build our family through adoption it you know to now sit here today and to reflect upon that it's sometimes hard for me to wonder how how did these opportunities get missed when down the road there would have been a perfect setup for that but I, I've come to I've come to terms with it it's been it's been okay so part of what I think what you're saying is that there might have been some time when you thought had I kept my son he would have only been two months old I would have met my husband I could have we could have been a family together yeah, mm-hmm. that's a little breathtaking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And was it an open adoption? No, closed? no, it was closed. Completely mm-hmm. closed. <clears throat> well, years later, I found out that it was only closed on my end. They, had re- they knew who I was and where I lived from the beginning. We're interrupting this interview to ask you to do us a favor. Really, it's not for us, but for adoptive and foster parents just like you. If you find our podcast helpful, pause this episode and revisit your podcast app where you can rate and review the show. Honestly, this isn't about making us feel good. This is about other parents finding confidence, hope, and friends who understand. Thanks so much for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate you. Now back to the conversation. They had re- they knew who I was and where I lived from the beginning. Wow. She even had said to me, I, "I've you know my husband and I are friends with them now," and she said to me, "Did were you trying to remember who your therapist was 
out of state. And I said, yeah, I can't remember. And she told me the name and I go, what? And she goes, well, I have it on paperwork that they had given me. So I was like, this is unbelievable that all these years they knew me and I didn't know them. And then you did. So have you, you've obviously met his parents Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming you met your son. How did that come about? Yes. So, so I have to tell you though, the transition between starting a life with my husband and ending a life with my birth son was very definite, concrete. I had taken my experience of birthing my son and I had locked it away. That was how I was going to cope with that trauma. So, but your I husband, went, did your husband know? Yes. Okay. So he knew, but you had just sort of said, that is behind me. I'm not going to take that into my marriage. And okay. Yeah. It wasn't, we did not discuss it. Wow. I think if I wanted to discuss it, he would be open to listen, but he did not ever mm-hmm. bring it up. Okay. So when, so I was, in a an adoptive parent support group seven years ago, six years ago. And somebody in the support group had said, it's not fair for us to talk about our adoptive children's parents without having representation. I think we need to find a birth mother or a birth father that can come to our support group so that they can speak on behalf of what their experience has been. And at that moment, I was so fortunate that my husband is a man of little words. He's, and he was not going to say anything about, oh, well, that's kitty. So we left the group and I remember my husband said, are you going to tell them that you're one? And I said, no, because I want to be selfish. I want to go to that group for who I am as an adoptive mom. So he didn't say anything, but wouldn't you know, my friend follows up with me. Have you been, have you thought of anybody? Do you know anybody? You know, you volunteer with teen mops. Is there anybody? And at that point, I knew that I need to tell her it's me. So we were texting back and forth when she had asked me this. So I remember saying, (coughs) typing M E and just like, Okay, it was like pulling the trigger to to send for some reason I knew that this was going to unlock what I had locked up those years ago. Mm-hmm. So I said me, and sure enough she's like, "I love to do reunions. Can I help you find your birth son?" That was something furthest away from what I would have ever planned to do. Mhm. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I never shared with her what had taken me up to this point. So she had devised an electronic poster and she put it on Facebook. <clears throat> she had, I had a profile that I was able to choose between three families. And so the family that I chose, I kept their po- profile and I had sent it to her. 
And she responded to me. She goes, oh, my word, you need to read between the lines. He's just two hours away. He's in the big city down the street from us. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah. She said, so I'm going to send this electronic poster to my friend to post on her, you know, feed and see what happens. Within eight hours later, his adoptive aunt had seen the poster in a rummage sale ad, like listing. Yeah. How strange. (laughs) I know. And she, so she called her sister and she said, your son's mother's looking for him. And that's how that started. She, the mother had called our son and said, I'm going to send you this information and you know, you can do whatever you want with it, but your mother's looking for you. And that was the beginning of that new chapter of my life. So did he contact you? Did she contact you? Because he was, how old was he? He was 30 at the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What was the next thing that happened? Well, my friend was, they had ended up contacting her because the the email that I had put in there was a a made up one so that I could and she said that she would be the the in between person so she was calling me nonstop that day to say to me he wants to meet you he wants to talk to you he and I was ice skating with my family and I did not have my phone with me and it was just driving her crazy that she could not share this news with me mm-hmm. So it was, it was late one evening before I responded to her because we had gone out to eat afterwards and everything. So she, the next day she said he'd like to email you. And I said, okay. So I gave her permission to give him my, my real email address. And he had emailed me, but he thought that it was a scam. Mm -hmm. He, he wanted me to prove I was really who I was. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you saw the electronic poster, right? And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, those are pictures of you, right? And he said, yeah. And I go, well, did your adoptive mom tell you she sent them to me? Well, yeah, she knew she knew about those pictures. Well, then that does that help you believe? He goes, I don't know. I guess it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was sort of difficult um, because through his upbringing, there were things that he was working through, even at that very time, that me stepping into it sort of (laughs) added a whole new dimension to Muddy Waters. Mm -hmm. But I've been really happy that we have been able to set a path that we both know that we want to have each other in our lives mm-hmm. and um, that we have made that commitment that we can, you know, trust each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you so, can stay connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the connection is going to look different based upon where we are from event to event or month to month or, you know, whatever's going on in our personal life sometimes does reflect um, how we interact with one another because Mm -hmm. we do have to present a different 
part of ourselves to each other because we're still trying to understand each other. Mm -hmm. And how long ago was that? That was, it was six years ago. And have you met in person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, oh, we took the really quick train through that because the first year I met him, I said, oh, come on vacation with us. It's not just our family, it's extended family. And oh, yeah. And did he He, do it? He did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We both look back at that and go, maybe a little bit too much too soon. Yes. Yes. But we, we recovered. We learned. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we've been jumping all over because I also still want to hear about your story of connecting with your birth family. So we're kind of going back in time a little bit now to when you were around 30, correct? Yeah. Okay, let's hear that part. Isn't that interesting that the thirty the, the 30th year was similar for both my birth son yeah. and myself and that's very uncovering. Interesting. Yeah. So when I had, so I took my friend and I said, my turn to go to the library because this is, this is my mom's name. Okay. And this is a friend who was searching for her father. Sorry. There's so much in the story here, but way back your, your neighbor and friend was searching for her father. You were going to search for your mother. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was right. Yeah. So she, um, she started pulling out yearbooks and we found the name and then we found a girl with my birth name. So my birth name was Cheryl and there was a girl, Cheryl, with the same last name as my birth mom. So my birth mom had named me after her sister. That's what that was. And I was able to find my birth aunt first. It was just her and my birth mom who were raised by their aunt and uncle. So there there are three generations in my lineage that did not that where parents did not raise their children. Wow. And I and mine was the last because the one daughter that I have, you know, married her her boyfriend and they have our two granddaughters. And that's that's that. So it was, it was wonderful that I could say, okay, well, we can, we can finish this sort of <laughs> parents not raising children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my, my birth aunt wanted to tell me all about my birth mother, but unfortunately they did not get along. They're very opposites. One was a go-getter, very responsible. And the other was sort of a victim. And what can you do for me? And I can take you off my friend list really quick. And then I can put you back on when I need something. Unfortunately, that was my birth mother. And I was able to work through that firsthand when we were going to become Facebook friends. And, she, I, you know, it was just not consistent. And I, I could not understand. I could not keep up with it. So I really didn't hold a lot of worth for my relationship with her. I'm very thankful that I ended up meeting her when I had already had my own family because I didn't have to, you know, have all that rest upon a relationship with her. I had already kind of moved past that and Mm -hmm. I'd be glad to fill in 
the spots, but I didn't have to launch from that. She was going to be coming to town. She was, she lived about mm, seven or eight hours away. My birth aunt gives me her number and I call her and we talk and she lives seven or eight hours away. And she said, yeah, we can, we can still talk. Yeah. You can give me a call. You know, it was good talking to you. And that was it. There wasn't much substance. Mm -hmm. So, and my birth aunt called me shortly after that. And she said, how did it go? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said, it just, I don't know. It just, she doesn't even feel like she's my mom. And she reassured me, yes, that, that is the way she is. It's don't think that it's just you. Mm -hmm. She has that this is kind of a reoccurrence throughout her life with people. So she was going to come for a family reunion and she said she'd contact me and it was Sunday and I thought, oh my goodness, she's going to be leaving soon and she hasn't called me. I'm not going to let this opportunity pass. I'm going to go find her. (laughs) (laughs) So I went and drove around the the block many times to, to build up the confidence to finally stop and to go and to approach her. And I saw her sitting at a picnic table and I went up to her and I said, Hey, do you know who I am? (laughs) And I I think I might've even had a stance of like my hands on my hips. I mean, I I think I was like protecting myself. Like this is, this is something that's due to me. I'm going to be confident that I can step into this. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me, I know who you are. And we she took me around and introduced me to everybody and she spent a lot of time pulling her two daughters that she's raised into our conversation and talking about them. And, um, and then I left. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't a connection. Is that, that's so strange to say, but mm-hmm. I, so she's, she's since passed away and there was a little bit of, I think she probably was upset with me because I questioned who my birth father was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She did not know that as she mentioned a name that I would go meet that person. And the, the first guy, no, he was not my birth father. And he agreed. And he even said like, Oh, there's, there's one of us that was blamed for us. There was one of us that married her. And then there was one of us that's truly your birth father. That's for you to figure out but I'm the one that's blamed. He goes, so maybe you should go see the one that she married. So my birth aunt and I went and met him and still both of us were like, yeah. (laughs) And then there was the other. And when I reflect upon that document that I had in the closed envelope from my dad, Mm -hmm. it, it gave like what, there was a piece of paper in there that said what, the birth father's structure was he was tall and he was a bigger build and he was a football player and I thought well that wasn't the two men I've met so far I gotta Mm -hmm. find out who this other guy is so I did some sort of sneaky stuff I looked at the yearbook again and found this guy's picture and on this the page of his picture there was a a picture of a woman you know a, a classmate of his so I was going to be her and I was going to call him mm-hmm. and I was going to use the excuse to call him that we were planning a reunion. 
(laughs) And the woman who answered his phone said he wasn't there. So I asked her to have him call me back. And I gave the name of that woman in the yearbook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I told my family, if a guy calls for this person, it's really me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was back in the day that there was not cell phones. So you you had to, you know, call the landline. And who could answer? Anybody. Right. So yeah, so she, uh, she gave him the information. He called me. And then I had said to him, I, I have reason to believe that you and I may need to meet because of, and I said my birth mom's name. Mm-hmm. And there was this long pause. And he said, mm-hmm. And I said, so there's a possibility. And he goes, mm-hmm. And he was going to be coming to town. He lived hours away also, but he was going to be coming back to town for an event. And he said, I'd like to get together with you. So we went to lunch. We, he told me to go visit his family home. Yeah. Years later, I ended up doing that and found out it was a picture of his mother hanging on the living room wall where his brother resided. And the picture of her was very striking, like looking like me. Oh, oh. So that was his way of saying, yeah, you probably are, but he didn't want to say it. You know, I could figure that out by looking at the picture. Mm-hmm. And he has since passed away. And I have done 23andMe and confirmed through his, through my stepsister, his first marriage produced two daughters. Okay. And that was the match that finally solidified that he was my birth father. Hmm. Wow. Well, there's obviously so much more to the story, but can you, and, and we have to wrap up, but how did, okay, you're an adoptee, you're a birth mom. What brought you full circle to also being an adoptive mom? Was there a particular moment or something that made you and your husband say, yes, we want to adopt? Uh, Yeah, it was needs-based. I was a youth leader in a local church for five years, and there was a 16-year-old girl who had come to an adolescent AA meeting there, Mm -hmm. and nobody else showed up that night. And I ended up going out with her for pizza. And two hours later, I found out she was pretty much an orphan. Both of Mm -hmm. her parents had passed away due to drug overdose. And she was living in the foster system from house to house. And that's when I went home and talked to my husband about what can we do? We have a family. We're already doing family. Can we bring another on? It wasn't going to be her that we would adopt because her aunt in Michigan had petitioned and she ended up moving there. Mm. But that's what started us going and doing the foster the MAPS class through foster care and being an open foster home. And our first placement was a a nine-year-old. And two years later, his mother had signed off and therefore we were able to adopt him. And now he's 21. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how just God weaves it all together? Like the girl that opened your heart to becoming an adoptive mom, you didn't adopt her, but she Mm -hmm. had such an important role in you becoming an adoptive mom. I love that. I love how 
that just weaves it all together in ways that we don't, we can't see it at all when it's happening. But when we step right. back, we can really see, wow, yeah. he's done an amazing thing here. Mm-hmm. Well, Kitty, there is obviously so much more we could talk about, but we, I'm just so thankful that you spent this time with me. If somebody wants to reach out to you, what be, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Well, I'm pretty much just a, a Facebook gal. So if they'd like to reach me, they can look up Kitty, K-I-T-T-Y, Ravert, R-A-V-E-R-T on Facebook. And I would be glad to help in any way or, you know, field any questions or concerns. I could be there for them. All right. Well, thank you again. It's been a delightful time with you. And we clearly need to spend some more time chatting at some point. (laughs) Yes, I would love that. All right. Thank you. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at Post Adoption Resources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.